Welcome to another episode of Blood, Sweat and Fears, the ultimate podcast where athletes, Olympians and sports people let off steam about the challenges of elite sport, both whilst participating and beyond. I'm Mark Clement, alongside me, Scott Ward, one of four professional footballing brothers and a man who spent more than a decade working on the content that now makes up EY's personal performance programme, building a better working world and indeed this podcast. And I think it's fair to say that our special guest on this edition of Blood, Sweat and Fears has had quite an 18 months. It started with captaining England's netball team to Commonwealth Gold. A couple of months ago, it's our awarded the MBE in the Queen's Birthday Honours. Before that, though, the woman described as netball's Harry came by the Times with over 100 caps to her name, missed the cut for her country's 12-strong squad for the World Cup, where England finished third, and she worked as a media pundit. Welcome to Ama Abueze. In the face of such disappointment how does an elite athlete keep their dignity i'm not sure that they do i think in behind closed doors potentially not but in front of the world put on a brave face and go and do what you need to is that how you saw it yeah basically um i had there was a period where um the selection was embargoed because there's an appeals window and so i knew sorry an appeals window where you can say i don't agree with this selection (laughs) i should have been in yeah seriously but it's not really um it's more a technical to say potentially if there was a actual trial um that you didn't play enough games so they didn't have a fair opportunity to see you or if you think that the coaches didn't follow follow the coaches and selectors didn't follow the correct process which you wouldn't actually know because you're not in the room Um, and so it's more a technical appeals process but it's in place and so there's a small time where the team knew individually if they were selected but the public didn't know Um, and I had lots of appearances and things in that time and so just had to go out and obviously I was the captain at the Commonwealth Games the year before and so everybody was talking about the World Cup and how it was going to be how it was going to be for me what I was expecting and I just had to go and play like everything was fine and dandy knowing full well that it wasn't um so that was actually really tough and then eventually it came out and so I I guess could let out my disappointment but it was still really hard um, and then as you mentioned I was a pundit during the World Cup which must have been so tough Alma. I mean I, I, I mean I think I think if misfortune had hit me I would run a million miles and go and hide away somewhere and not want to be anywhere near it that's why I asked that first question yeah and I think I'm the same I'm a I just want to run away and hide from the world and I actually did have lots of times where I just didn't want to go out and didn't want to see not even just people I know but just people in general um and I didn't get selected for the world cup previously so 2015 which was in Sydney and I was a training partner so basically flew out to Sydney with the team, helped them train, and then on the day the competition starts, you're released. Um, and so I went travelling with my husband in Australia and didn't really see any for the World Cup. I think I saw one or two games. But I just didn't want to be a part of it, didn't want to be around it. Mm. Um, and I got through it just fine. And I think, for me, going away and hiding is a good way to resolve problems. Um, <laughs> probably not all problems in life. Um, and so when I did get selected for this... Um, I think my agent was like, oh, would you want to do commentary? And I said no. And then he said, oh, you're just it's having it tough at the moment, but potentially when it comes around, you'll have recovered. And then when it came around, I still hadn't recovered, but I'd already committed to do it. Um, so, yeah, just put on a brave face and survived, got through. And then I feel like I had a massive drop-off in August, September, where just mentally I was over it. And You've had that reaction. barrier up for so long, and Mark and I were talking about this earlier. 
where, yeah, if you don't get selected, that's fine. But having to then commentate where your team are warming up behind you and be in that environment that's pretty unfathomable just to be because you're you're then feeling what they're feeling so not only is it the fact you've not been selected it's going through the same euphoria that you were training for and trying to get back fit for last season and and so you know that's um i must must say i was watching it with real empathy for you because clearly people don't get to see what you've had to go through the previous season and commitment and trying to get fit and play games so if you like to fulfill your part of the bargain as trying to get selected and um, you know, it's very easy for people to to comment and, and prejudge, uh, or to contribute to general discussions on social media and so forth, without knowing, you know, what you've had to go through to to be that person in front of the camera playing the brave card of, I'm great, I'm strong, and so I think um, you should feel really proud of yourself for doing that. And um, you know, for us, hearing you and hearing you share that was uh, was a great moment. And my daughters, I explained what had happened when they were watching, and I think. Um, I say this and my team know it and I go on quite a lot. Um, but I think you all have something to feel really proud of because you really are inspiring the next generation in an, in an honest sport where um, you sustain that, that approachability and that honesty in, 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 in talking to people and, and the young girls. And so, well done. Um, it was hard to watch, but I think it was really important for people to share what you were going through to understand the experience you had to feel at that time. Thanks. I was going to say it's good that it's a podcast because I'm getting emotional. Um, I'm still going through, yeah. I guess, recovery. Um, it's very raw. It has been, yeah, really yeah. tough. And I think I've gone from being staunch and getting through pre-World Cup and World Cup and then literally I've just had a meltdown and so I feel like I cry every day for no apparent reason. Um, so, yeah, I'm still working through it, but it, it is still raw. And I think I, I kind of knew it would happen. And so... Um, I sort of. Do you know what I'm? Up, do you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to do. We're going to fade this down for just a second. We're going to get you a tissue because we're not here to drag you out and over the coals. Uh, we're here to inspire other people yeah. with your <laughs> learning lessons. So just fade that down for a second. We'll be back in just a second. Here, can you have? And back in the room. Who supported you? Um. Interestingly. My mom, I think I had, there was a bit of an issue in terms of um, when it came out that I wasn't selected and I was driving to my mom's house at the time and I hadn't preempted her, but she opened the door for me and I burst into tears and she hugged me. Um, and then my husband was in New Zealand, so I was on the phone to him. And then my sisters were really supportive. And then a few friends who I've kind of had a life where I'm sporadically here and there and I live in New Zealand and I've played in Australia and all over the UK and so I'm not very good at not necessarily not keeping in contact with people but being able to see people regularly um, and then friends who were there every now and again kind of pulled through and were always really like were amazing and there to support me and I went to stay with a few of them and they were always on the ball checking if I was okay and so yeah so family and some really good friends although my mom she's a staunch, hard woman. Um, so I cried the night before, and then the next morning she was like, "You've cried enough now. Get on with it." Like, oh, um, okay. oh, they all pull yourself together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so then I was actually scared to be upset at my yeah. mom's house because <laughs> she's obviously like she's been through a lot herself, and I think she's just always resolute in that nothing's going to break me. I'll use that to fuel me on. And um, and so then I was scared to be upset and sort of moving through things, but it has taken time, and I think because I had to. I knew I had to get through the World Cup and be a public face. And so 
I sort of put things on hold and I knew it would come to hit me at some point. And it was just kind of thinking, oh, when's that going to be? And then smacked me in the face um, afterwards. But um, it was really tough, I think, just watching the team. And I think as a sports person, you prepare mentally for your event and what could happen and you prepare for every possibility. So knowing I was going to the World Cup, I basically was going through what emotions were going to hit me mm. when the team first walked out, what that was going to be like, when the national anthem played, what that was going to be like. And so when I was, when the things actually happened, it was almost like I was reliving them because I'd um, gone over them so much in my mind in the build-up. Um, but then there's so, you can prepare only so much. And so actually when it happened, I, I think I was, um, I commentated all the England games for obvious reasons. Um, and I'd been in the studio and then ran to where I'd sit for commentary and stood up for the anthem. And the colleague who was with me was like rubbing my back because I think she understood that it was a bit tough. Um, and then I think one thing I didn't prepare for, one of the girls got injured mm. and I was commentating the game and she had done her Achilles, but at the time she just hurt herself, which we didn't know. And I was stood up and I, I, can't, I remember saying, I think she's done her Achilles and was just devastated and then just couldn't speak and was just standing there. And luckily, the person I was with basically held the fort and kept commentating, but I was just stood there in shock and disbelief. Um, and I think it's because that was my teammate and even though I wasn't selected, mm. I was in a team with her and I knew that that was going to affect England's chances. It was only the second game, I think, as well. Yeah, like and so I think I'd prepared for everything in terms of how it would make me feel and I hadn't actually figured, oh, but what if someone gets injured? And so that basically just threw me and then I had to sort of recover myself and then keep commentating so that was I guess a new experience that I'd never had before. You're an emotional person generally? Not really I don't I feel like I've, I don't usually show my feelings I'm not a touchy-feely person I'm a yeah nice to meet you bye um sort of get on with it sort of person yeah. and so I feel like I'm struggling now to cope with being it's new isn't it? yeah. Yeah. yeah well can, can I ask you a question hmm. how does Amma stop this becoming part of her personal identity how does how does she push it away and treat it as a building block for the rest of her life and and for it not to define her well i think that's a really hard question thanks um <laughs> i mean i think oh, the I was challenge to get you some solace <laughs> well i think the, the reality is the challenge when you're speaking now i think the challenge has been that you've not been able to play since so whereas you know we always say don't we are oh, the next game get back on the court you've not had that opportunity so Naturally, when people are going to talk about you at the moment, it's going to be about what's happened more recently. And probably every fibre in your body just wants to get back in and show them what you can offer. And, you know, you said you nearly retired and you've not. Um, and especially, you know, after last season where you probably didn't do what you wanted to do in, in, in the Super League and so on. It's just a, that's a really tough, tough gig because is naturally in you to compete and to, to show how good you are and to lead from the front. And when you're commentating, you can't do that because you're not playing. And and therefore, you're having to deal with the consequences of an environment you've never faced before. So naturally, it's like we say, you only know what you know. Um, you can't make decisions on information you don't have. And therefore, if you've never, if you've never lived this before, it's going to be pretty horrible. Um, but that's where good people around you will tell you that you're good and that you're fine <laughs> and like we've done today that you've been through a challenge that not many people can ever understand but you've come through it in flying colours and so sustaining your dignity and being consistent in how you approach those things is what 
breeds respect in sport. We know that. There's a lot of mis at times sort of misleading in what you know, if you're if you're gonna if you're training, you're playing, don't worry, you'll play next week. I've had it happen to me where I've gone to sign a contract. It's, the manager's told me it's a two year contract. I didn't have an agent, I've gone to sign the contract. It was a year on the table. Don't worry, Scott, we're gonna get support in for you. You're gonna be you're gonna play next season. They then bring in a goalie that's played five hundred games. I don't touch a ball for eight months. And that's sport, and that's something you have to own and you have to accept as part of being an athlete. When when there's other things that are out of your power, that's something that you can't really you can't really take because we are controlling people, and therefore I know that if I put this in in training, if I eat this, that I'm going to I'm going to get down to my optimum weight. You can control those controllables. When it's somebody else's decision, I don't know about you, Emma, but that's where I really struggle because I like to be a person in control. And 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 do my best for those for myself and those around me. Um, clearly, like I said, if it's somebody else's decision, that's that's out of the realms of of what's possible. Um, is that is this been the biggest life jolt that you've had? Um, it's funny because I my England career has been very up and down. So I'm not a person who has been selected and then just got in and played. Mm. I've had a very I've been selected, I've been dropped, I've been injured throughout my whole career. Um, and so that it's almost normal for me and every time I get if I'm not selected I sort of think I'll show you I'm going to get selected and I'll prove to um, I'm good enough and get selected again um, but I think probably the prominence of netball with the Commonwealth Games Commonwealth win and being the captain has basically just added a whole new dimension to me not getting selected for things Um so as I said I didn't get selected for the World Cup the year sorry, four years prior. Mm. Um, but it wasn't such a significant thing. I did go to the Commonwealth Games the year before that, but I wasn't the captain and we didn't win. And so I think it's just a melting point of lots of things that occurred. And so it's just affected me um, differently. And there's also a bit of um, stuff around how I was treated um, internally as well. And so it's just a lot of things that I've never experienced before that have happened that I'm trying to. But you've made bold moves before by going and playing the ANZ. Like, how did you find that going from playing for Loughborough to playing in Australia, where it's the most competitive league out there? I mean, it's it's a pretty tough taskmaster, I must say. And how did you find that? And obviously, going to play in New Zealand. I mean, it's the creme de la creme, really, isn't it? In netball, and and the, the tempo is is incredible. It is. I think when I first signed, so I went from Loughborough to. I might have played, played in Loughborough, then played for Leeds and yeah, then went yeah. to Perth in Australia. Yeah. And at the time it was just exciting. And I was probably, I say young, but I probably wasn't that young. But it was just an, an opportunity and I wanted to play netball and it was the best place to go and play in the world. So I did it, but I always thought it was just going to be for one season. And then I'd come back to the UK and get a proper job that my mum keeps telling me about. Um, and it was just an eye-opener. I think even in the UK we travel to games either you drive yourself or you get on the team bus but in Perth they fly Every, I think the closest game was a four-hour flight away um, and so just having that to contend with and then also a really good daily training environment because netball is and it's moving t away from being amateur in England but you train twice a week with the girls on court but the rest of your training you if you're around the girls you do it together but you just fit it in um, and lots of girls have jobs whereas in Australia everybody was in training, doing all the sessions together and a, bit, a, a little bit like a football team would go in and do all their sessions and analysis and everything. And it was like that. And so it was just just eye-opening and like a dream come true. And it was no surprise to me that netball there was so good and it was because they were moving towards professionalism and their daily tra training environment was 
just so impressive. And so it was nice to have that opportunity. And then I basically just moved to another team and then another team and got to experience lots of different countries, different people. And yeah, I've been really grateful. I think netball was never a career for me. I just sort of played because I liked it and was quite good. And my mum's harped on about getting a proper job. And so far I've managed to avoid the, pre the proper job. And so netball has been really good and it has given me just an array of not even netballing opportunities, just life opportunities. My husband, I met him when I was playing in New Zealand. And so it has been great. And then obviously there's disappointing times like not getting selected for World Cup. Um, but yeah, I probably wouldn't change it if I was offered the opportunity. Um, although there are, time, there are lots of low times where sometimes I think, actually, if I didn't play netball, I wouldn't be here. But yeah, I'd still... I'd still do it again. But you have your qualifications and obviously now you've got a very exciting season ahead. So, um, you know, what's your what's your view on the next season and, and what's your, your aspirations as a team? Well, you mentioned uh, I was going to retire and I was going to retire and I think it's probably been the first time in about eight to ten years that I've had a break because if you play domestic and international netball in the UK, the season's basically all, all year long. And so I've just gone back to back to back. And this was the first year in a long time that there's not been netball. And so it was a blessing and also a curse because there wasn't a, I can just get back on court now, having been um, dropped. And so my confidence is basically at rock bottom. Um, and so I did, I was going to retire. My husband was like, no, you're, you're still good. Like you should have gone to World Cup. It was someone's decision. You didn't get selected. So get back out there and play. Um, and then lucky enough, the Stars coach was the London Pulse assistant coach last season. Right. And so she... This is the seven stars. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Just yeah. signed for, yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah. Seven stars. Um, and she basically... I had lots of phone calls where I was like, oh my gosh, I need you in my corner. Can I just call you when I need you to <laughs> give me a pickup? Because um, she was basically instilling confidence in me about how good I was on and off the court and how the team need me and so I'm excited to be part of a new team there's some younger players who hopefully I can draw some of their energy um, and their physical <laughs> um, health of their bodies um, but yeah I'm just excited to be part of something new and Stars I think it's their third or fourth season in the league so they're established now and I think last season they were improving and usually when a team's new teams their opposition was like, oh, well, we're playing them, so that's easy points for us. Um, but last season, Stars no, were yeah. a team to be reckoned with, mm. and so hopefully we can build on from that. Let's take a break from our, at times, emotional conversation with Amara Bueze. We're going to make this a two-parter, so thank you for listening so far. For more information about the programme itself, please visit our website. That's ey.com forward slash UK forward slash personal performance programme. And don't forget to check out our previous podcasts, including with Dame Tanny Gray-Thompson, Sir Matt Pinsent and Ryan Giggs. You can find all our previous episodes on iTunes and via the EY website by visiting ey.com forward slash UK forward slash PAS forward slash podcast. Thanks for the time being then to Amma and to Scott. I'm Mark Clement, brought to you by EY, building a better working world. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Blood, Sweat and Fears, the ultimate podcast with a focus on athlete experiences, readiness and preparation for life in and out of sport. Goodbye for now and listen out for part two. <laughs>